Hello there. You are listening to the MCC Sunday Sermon. We are so glad you could join us. We pray that this message will encourage you, build your faith on your journey with God. Enjoy. We're going to dive straight in because we're starting a brand new series called This Is Our Home. I wonder if you'd finish this sentence for me. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Maybe you've heard somebody say that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And there's a sense in which that statement is true. That to become a Christian requires that I put my faith in Jesus. That I believe that he lived a sinless life, that he died in my place, paying the penalty for my sin. And that he rose again, conquering sin, death and the grave. And that he did so means that I can accept this free gift of grace and salvation. And so it's true that that I can receive Jesus even though I've never attended a church service. That's true, technically, but but there's also a sense in which that's slightly dysfunctional. In the same way that I can say, I can be married but never sleep at home. I mean, technically, I'm married and it can still be a committed and faithful relationship even though I'm never home. But it is slightly dysfunctional. And over time, my heart will begin to drift and certainly it will have an effect on our relationship. Right? Uh, Maybe you've heard this one. I I love God. I just hate the church. Sadly, I've probably heard that from people more than I'd actually care to admit. And usually it comes with a story about how somebody in the church hurt them or, or, or did the wrong thing. And so they lost faith in the church because of their interactions with a handful of people. Usually it's not that the whole church hurt them, but, but it is certainly true that a few individuals in the church did. Can you imagine if someone came up to you and said, look, I really like you, I just can't stand your wife. The truth is you wouldn't have much of a relationship with that person. I mean, how you treat my wife says a great deal about the kind of relationship that we're going to have in the future. Well, the Bible talks about the fact that the church is the bride of Christ, that Jesus loves his church, that Jesus is coming back for his church. The church is not perfect because it's filled with imperfect people, but it is God's idea. It is established by him. It is sustained by him. And its value is not diminished by scandal or by trouble or by public opinion. And so if we profess to love God, then we ought to love what God loves, and God loves his church. The truth is this morning, in a room with this many people in it, that there'd be many people in this room who've had to overcome some sort of hurt or offense or pain or difficulty that was inflicted at the hands of Christian people. In fact, maybe you'd thought to yourself, I'm never going to be involved in church again. And you've overcome that. And you find yourself here this morning. And I realize that that took some courage for you to actually be in this room today. Maybe you're hoping that this church will be different. The truth is, is I love my kids. I don't always love what my kids do. Sounds like it's just me. And I wonder if the same is true for God, that God loves his church But he doesn't always love what his church does. I know this is a very unusual way to start a sermon series, right? Because you're all thinking, where on earth is this thing going? 
But, but I actually believe it's kind of important. Because I personally believe that God actually wants to bring healing to people's hearts. About a month or so ago, I was praying and I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want to share my burden with them, but I can't until their hearts have been healed and made whole. That in the same way that a broken leg can't bear any weight, right? That that a broken heart can't bear the burden of God until it's been healed and made whole. And and so I honestly believe that, that over these three Sundays in October, as we talk about this is our home and we begin to talk about the church, I honestly believe that that's actually what God wants to do. That God wants to be able to heal people's hearts. Maybe that's a journey that's already started for you. Maybe today is the very, very beginning of that. But, but I believe that's actually what God wants to do. And so as we look at this, we're going to look at belonging and ownership, but the burden of God. And I want you to hear my heart in this, right? I want you to hear my heart in it, that this is not about us catching a vision. It's not about us catching a mission or a strategy. Those things are important, but that's actually not what this is about. My prayer is that you would catch our heart and the burden of God for this church in this place at this time. In Numbers chapter 11, there's kind of a significant moment for Israel. I'll read it to you and then we'll, we'll have a look. Numbers chapter 11, if you're turning in your Bibles in verse 16. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. That, that, that Moses has already had an interaction with his father-in-law who's like, hey, you can't do this on your own, uh, Moses. And so this is a moment where God is commissioning 70 elders. Verse 17, then I will come down, God says, and I'll talk with you there. I will take the spirit that is upon you and will put the same upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself alone. I want you to notice something in what God does with Moses and with the 70 elders. What what God actually does is he doesn't take the Holy Spirit and place it on the 70. He takes the spirit that's on Moses and he places it on the 70. That's interesting. Because the scripture could have said that, that, that God took the Holy Spirit and gave that to the 70 elders. He doesn't say that. He says, God says to him, Moses, when you gather together in the meeting, I'm going to come and I'm going to take the spirit that's on you and I'm going to place it on the 70 so, so, that, so that they begin to catch and carry your heart, so, so that they begin to carry my burden for this people in this place at this time. And so it's not about a vision, it's not about a strategy, it's not about a mission, it's about the burden of God for people. And so this morning I want to begin as we start looking at this is our home, a place to belong. Can we pray? Lord, I pray today that you'd help me to be able to preach your word. Holy Spirit, I ask today that God, you begin to open our heart, begin to open our ears. That Lord, today we might leave this place different. God, challenged, inspired, encouraged to live lives that bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The house of God must be a home for people. A house is about where, but a home is about who. We say things, don't we, like, like where is your house? Because a house is about where, but we say things like who as at home, because who is about home, where is about house, and who is about home, because home is not primarily a place, it actually describes a relationship. But we say things, don't we, like home is where your heart is. Why? Because 
There's nothing quite like that sense of arriving home, right? It's hard to be able to put into words. It's the place where your heart resides. It's not describing a place or a where. It's describing a relationship. And so we say home is where your heart is. If home is not about where but who, then the same thing is true for the church. The church is not about where, it's about who. The church is not about a place, but it's about people. And so if we are going to build a strong church that's equipping and empowering increasing numbers of people to save souls and to make disciples, then MCC must become a home for people. That a strong church is not about building an impressive house, It's actually about building a loving home. One of the privileges of being the pastor is that you get to have some of these kinds of conversations. And and so this has happened on multiple occasions. But last Sunday, I happened to be standing at at the tea and coffee area in the middle of the foyer and was talking to somebody who said to me, you know, this is the first time I've been excited to come to church in over 10 years. What were they describing? They weren't describing an impressive house. They were describing a loving home. Consider for a minute the difference between a house and a home. You can buy a house, but you cannot buy a home. A house is built by hired tradesmen, but a home is built by a loving family. A house is built on gifting and talent, but a home is built on character and sacrifice. A house is built by hand, but a home is built by heart. And so I want, to catch, I want you to catch the heart of this. If this is our home, it's a place to belong, that the house of God ought to be a home for people, that then maybe there's some mindset shifts for each of us to, to wrestle with over these couple of weeks. Here's the first one. Mindset shift number one is belong, believe, become, and behave. For some of you who are here, this is your first church experience. This is the only church you've ever been a part of. And so this is what you know. But for others of us, you've come from other church experiences. You've been a part of a different church. Maybe it was a more traditional church. Maybe it was a more out there kind of church. All different kinds of churches. Maybe you've come from a different denomination or a different style or a different size. This is a mindset shift because the traditional mindset for church is that you've got to believe Right? You've got to believe what we believe, and then you've got to become a Christian, and then you've got to behave in the right way, and then if you do those three things, then maybe, just maybe, we'll extend the opportunity for you to belong. Right? So you've got to believe, and then you've got to become, and you've got to behave. Like, you've got to dress like we dress, and you've got to you know, talk like we talk, and, and then once you start to behave, right? Like, we're not showing any midriff or anything. You know, once you've started to behave the way you're supposed to behave, right? No swearing during the sermon. Once you've started to do, like, once you've started to do that, then maybe, just maybe, we'll let you belong. But, but the mindset shift here is actually not that you believe and then become and then behave, and then you get the chance to be able to belong, but actually belonging starts first. If this is a home, right? If we're not building a house, if we're building a home, then belonging actually is not last on the list. Belonging has to become first on the list. That when people belong and believe, they almost naturally become and behave. That if you look through the scriptures, that actually is the pattern of the Bible. That's Jesus's pattern for soul winning and disciple making. Think about this for a moment. Think about Matthew, the tax collector. How did Matthew, the tax collector, become Matthew, the disciple? In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9, this is what the Bible says. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. 
Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does this teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Notice this. What does Jesus do? Jesus actually went to Matthew's house. He didn't actually even invite Matthew to a service. He just lopped up at Matthew's house. He hung out with Matthew, and not just Matthew, he got to know Matthew's circle of friends. They were all a bit detestable. But he got to know Matthew's disputable friends. In Matthew chapter 10, the Bible announces the list of disciples and who should be on that list. But Matthew, notice the sequence that Matthew belongs. Jesus goes to his house. Jesus hangs out with his friends. And then as a result of that, obviously some things happen in Matthew's life that were distinct life changes because he goes from being Matthew the tax collector to Matthew the disciple. And the interaction with Jesus seems to be one of belonging. Not where once Matthew sorted his life out, then he'll be allowed to belong. But it seems like Jesus was offering a chance for Matthew to belong even before he'd believed or become or behaved. Notice what the Pharisees say about this in verse 11. What does your teacher, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The thing that they were most perplexed about is why is Jesus extending that? Does Jesus not realize that there's a pattern here, right? And so it's the Pharisees, let us instruct you. This is how religion works. You've got to believe and then become and then behave and then you get the chance to belong. The thing that they were most um, upset about is why does Jesus begin with belonging? It was the pattern for Matthew, but think about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19, this is what the Bible says. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and he was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. Notice this. He's gone to be a guest of a sinner. Why is it that he's extending relationship to this kind of person? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Verse 9, then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus made Zacchaeus belong by going to visit his house. And Zacchaeus, as a result of this interaction and obviously the conversation and everything that was happening, Zacchaeus decided to give away half of his wealth to the poor and to repay all the wrongs he'd done four times over. If that's not behaving, I'm not quite sure what is. And yet Jesus declares at the end, salvation has come to this house, that they became a Christian household. But notice the pattern. Belong, then believe, then become, then behave. Belonging's not last on the list, it's first on the list, think about the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets the woman at the well, a woman with multiple partners, and helps her to feel like she belongs. And she stops sinning and she starts to behave. Don't get me wrong. Believing and becoming 
and behaving, for that matter, are all very important. But perhaps as the church, we've gotten the sequence wrong. That when the sequence is out of order, people feel judged. People keep their distance. People don't want to actually know what it is that we've got to say. But when the sequence is right, Matthew becomes a great disciple. Zacchaeus becomes a generous giver. And the woman at the well becomes a great evangelist. Belonging doesn't happen last on the list. Belonging actually happens first on the list. If this is a home, then the house of God must be a home for people. And that means it's a place for people to belong. Here's mindset shift number two. That the church is not a service you attend. It's a family that you belong to. The church is not a service you attend. It's a family that you belong to. For some people, church is just a service they attend on Sundays. For some, church is not even just a service. Church is just a sermon. Right? You can tell because they sort of arrive after the worship has started. They listen for the message and they leave right at the very end. They've made it out of their PJs. Because then there's like another group of people who like, they're not even making it out of their PJs. They're at home. And they're just tuning in for like the best sermon they can find online. Now, I'm not talking to anybody in this room because you're all in the room, right? And I didn't observe what time you arrived. That's between you and Jesus. But, but it's amazing how this can become a mindset, that, that, that church is a service we attend. Or, or, or maybe not even just a service. It's just a sermon we listen to on a semi-regular basis. When did the church become a service or a sermon? Can you imagine trying to explain that to the Apostle Paul? Now, Paul, I know I've got all these ideas, but, but the church, look, if you boil it all down, the church, it's just a service. It's once a week, once a month, if we're busy. If the weather's good, that's... In fact, sometimes it's not even a whole service. Sometimes it's just a sermon, and if we miss it, we can get it on the podcast. Imagine trying to explain that that's what the church is to the Apostle Paul. If the church is only about attending a service, then Sunday is the only day that you need to be a Christian. If the church is only about attending a service, then for a good portion of the COVID pandemic, there was actually no churches left on the face of the planet. But, but of course, the church is so much more than that. The, the church is not a service you attend. The, the church is a family you belong to. And so Sunday is still important. Services are, are about gathering the, the church. Services are, are about celebration and preparation. That, that Sunday service is important. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not. Sunday service is about 90 minutes at the start of your week that prepares you for the other 9,990 minutes of that week. Some of you who are good with math are going to start actually calculating that, and that is mathematically true. That church is 90 minutes at the start of your week that prepares you for the other 9,990. Check it right now. You get your calculator out. When you see the church is just the service you attend, that the natural inclination of your heart is that you begin to treat it like a hotel, not like a home. When you're in a hotel, that's a very different experience to when you're in a home. If you're in a hotel room with a problem, what do you do? You complain to the manager. You ask for a room upgrade or at least to shift rooms. And you leave a review on TripAdvisor. In a hotel, you leave the towels on the floor. You expect the maid to make the bed. And you never fully unpack your bags because you're only going to be here for a short while. The whole experience of staying in a hotel is transactional. And so if you go to this hotel this time and a different hotel next time, 
that because that one's more relaxed and this one's by the beach and that one's good for business, but, but this one's more for lounging about, that then you start to choose churches like you choose a hotel. This one's got a water park for the kids. This one, if you stay three, you can, you can um, pay for two. And so when you see the church service as a when you see the church as a service you attend, you begin to treat it like it's a hotel. But if the church is a family that you belong to, not a service that you attend, then you start to treat it not like a hotel, you begin to treat it like a home. When you're in a home with a problem, what do you do? We don't complain to the manager or ask for a room upgrade. You stay and you fix it. You take responsibility. You roll up your sleeves, you pull out your wallet, you put on your work clothes. In a home, you don't leave the towels on the floor because they're your towels. You make your own bed and you unpack your bags and your boxes because you're planning on staying and you fill your cupboards as well. The whole experience is not transactional. The whole experience is relational. It's not about building a house or a hotel. It's about building a home for people. And the truth is, if you've been in church for any length of time, you can tell where people's hearts are at, right? You can know whether people see the church as a service they attend or a family they belong to. Just wait for a crisis. Because how you respond in a crisis generally ends up identifying how you see the church in your own heart. I'm going to move on from this point now. Mindset shift number three. Belonging is not about being friendly. It's about becoming family. Remember, we're talking about this is our home. That the house of God ought to be a home for people. It ought to be a place where people can say, I belong, right? Which means belonging happens first. But, but, but it also means belonging is not about being friendly. It's about becoming a family. Friendliness is about an interaction in a moment. You, you can be friendly in a moment and never extend any relationship. You can be friendly in the foyer after the service or in the 60 seconds to mingle, right? But, but never invite anyone to your house for a meal. Right? And so friendliness is about an interaction in a moment, but belonging is about building a meaningful relationship over time. If we're just friendly in the foyer, if we just say hello to people in the minute mingle, if we're just polite to people when we meet, then we're missing the kind of relationship that God is trying to bring into our lives. Listen to Paul's encouragement to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. This is what Paul says. He says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Nothing about Paul's encouragement to the church in Rome sounds like a transactional relationship. Paul's not saying, hey guys, could you be a bit more friendly? No, no, Paul's saying actually that the relationships God's trying to bring into your life run far deeper than, than mere interactions. No, 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 God's trying to bring far more meaningful relationships into your life than that. And notice even in the examples of Jesus with Zacchaeus or with Matthew, Jesus wasn't sharing a moment with Zacchaeus. Jesus was sharing a meal with Zacchaeus. Jesus wasn't inviting Zacchaeus to his next preaching appointment. Jesus was going to Zacchaeus' house. I've got this little rule. You never truly know a person until you've seen their fridge. Jesus was living by that rule, right? 
that Jesus wasn't sharing moments, he was sharing meals. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' home. Jesus met Zacchaeus' friends. Jesus generously drew criticism from religious people. And in that life-changing moments, Zacchaeus' life was changed. And so as the church, we need to understand that people need to be invited and they need to be included and they need to be involved before they can be influenced and impacted. Man, we want to have influence and impact, but you have to win the right to have influence and impact. You can't start there. One of the things that I live by is you can only pass the people as much as they give you permission. You can pass them to that point. But if they don't grant permission, there's no extension there for you to be able to pass that. If you start stepping beyond that, you're now not pastoring, you're doing something else, right? And so sometimes as a church, we have a desire to have influence and impact, but you've got to win the right to do that. And you win that right by, by inviting and including and involving. I, um, I caught up on Tuesday afternoon with um, uh, a guy who's, who's recently started attending um, MCC, him and his wife. And uh, they've been here for four weeks. And he said to me, he said, hey, I just want you to know um, we've found a place to call home. And uh, I said, what's happened? That's, you've only been here for four weeks. That's quick to make that decision. And he explained, he said, you know, we, we came along. We thought we're just going to come and see. Anyway, they came along and they said, we came back the second week because we thought, well, the first week people were friendly, but you can really tell the second week, right? Second week they came back, they said, people remembered our names. We thought, that's unusual. They didn't just remember our names. They actually remembered our son's name. And that, that was special. They said, well, not only that, like um, we, the, the third week we came back, we, we met another couple who were part of the church, and they invited us back to their house for lunch. They thought, man, we've been coming to this church for three weeks. We've already gone to someone's house for lunch. So, 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 then, so then we came along um, the, the fourth week, and there was no kids program on that week. And so um, the, the kids were in a part of the service, and... And somebody went and got a basket of toys and they brought it to us middle of the service just so that our kid would have something to play with during the service. And they said, do you know, we felt more welcomed in the last four weeks that we've been here than in the last four years we've lived in Australia. We've decided to make this place home. Why? Because they actually felt like they belonged. That there was relationship extended. Not just friendliness, right? They got invited to someone's house for lunch. It was amazing what an impact that made, that people remembered their son's name, right? That that, that there was a desire here to have relationship beyond just an interaction, right? Beyond just a transaction. How can you tell when you've really begun to capture this in your own heart? This idea that that the church is not a house, but a home. That, That the church is a place for people to belong. As the worship team comes back and we're about to finish this service, Maybe here's a few things that might be evidence of that. One, you stop saving your seats on Sundays with valuables. How can you tell when you've really caught this in your own heart? That the church isn't like us four and no more. That the church is, there's always room for more. That the church is a home for people to belong to. In fact, it's a home for all different kinds of people from all different kinds of backgrounds. In fact, they might not yet believe what we believe. And they might not have even become a Christian yet. In fact, they might have been serving on the auditorium team and help you find your seat. And then one day you see them raise their hand and they're receiving Jesus. Because actually you can belong even before you believe or become or even behave. You can tell when you've really caught this in your own heart because you'll stop saving your seat with your phone. 
None of us would ever dream of going into a shopping center and leaving our phone unattended on a seat and walking away for a few minutes. You'd never do that. Why? Because the shopping center's got lots of people in it and you just don't know what kind of people they are. This is a challenge for my own heart, right? Because when you save your seat with a valuable item, what you're really saying is, I don't believe there's anybody here today who doesn't yet know God. I'm expecting them to have believed and become and behaved and then we've allowed them to become. But if we're going to allow people to belong first, you can tell by what gets left on the seats. Get here early and save your seat with a Bible. If someone steals a Bible, they probably need it more than you anyway. How can you tell when you've really got this in your own heart? You stop trying to work out, is this for the church or for the community? Because the minute you've asked that question, you're already missing it. The minute you've separated the whole world into two different groups, community, church, you've already created an us and them that doesn't need to exist. But why would we do that? It doesn't need to be there. Because my question is, at what point do you become a part of the community and at what point do you become a part of the church? Like after your first visit, are you part of the church now? Tenth visit. Ninety-ninth visit and you've started to tithe. Now you're part of the church. Like when does that happen? What about if you're part of the church but you live at 71 Springs Drive? Are you part of the community or part of the church? What about if you live in the street but you go to another church? Are you part of the church or the community? Why would we set that up? It's not about the community or the church. You're already beginning to separate people into two different groups that actually don't need to be there. We're a church that's about people, whether you've come once or a thousand times, whether you live in the postcode or outside of the postcode. We're a church for people. But is it for the church or is it for the community? If they've got a beating heart and they're still alive on planet Earth and they're still sucking oxygen into their lungs, we're about those people, right? But what about if they don't look like us? Are they a person? But their haircut, you, you don't understand. You haven't seen a mullet like this. This mullet, it, it, it screams detestable. You haven't seen them on their scooters. I'm telling you, they're going to rip up the car park. That's why we made it so big. You could race around the car park on your electric scooter, Right? Because the minute you start to remove the us and them, you've begun to capture the heart of God. There is not a square inch of the universe that God doesn't look at and say, it's mine. There's not a person that God doesn't look at and say, you're made in my image. You belong to me. Right? So why would we then, as a church, begin to separate people into groups? We don't need to do that. We're not a church for the community or for the... We're a church for people. Now, now understand this, we have a neighbourhood. Why? Because we're in a location. So we have a neighbourhood, but, but that's not a nebulous community or, or, or a nebulous church. No, no, we're in a certain location. We have a neighbourhood and we want to reach people in our neighbourhood. And you and I as individuals want to reach people in our street because God has put us in a place. But if the church is a home and it's a place of belonging, then we don't separate people out into groups. We help every person to feel like they belong from the minute they walk through the door.
here's maybe the third one. Is we start to put on a little weight. Because we're looking to take every conversation and turn it into a coffee. In fact, if you get someone to agree to a coffee, turn it into a meal. Take them for lunch. In fact, if the, if the meal's going well, stick around and have dessert. It's biblical. It's what Jesus did. You think it was a short lunch at Zacchaeus' house? They were there for some time, right? They had a lot to discuss. You can tell when you've really got this in your own heart that the, that the church is a place to belong because you stop saving your seats with valuables and you stop asking and splitting people into different kinds of groups. But you're also trying to find a way to turn every conversation into a coffee or from a coffee into a lunch or from a lunch into a lunch with dessert and maybe another... Because it's not about transactional interactions. It's about meaningful relationships that God is bringing and knitting a family together. Here's the last part as you stand to your feet this morning and we conclude. It's impossible to help others feel like they belong until you do. That's impossible, right? Because you can't give what you haven't got. Which is why my prayer over these three Sundays, it's not that you catch a vision, but that you would catch our heart as for Elise and I as your pastors and that you catch the burden of God for this church in this place at this time, that, that actually out of a sense that this, this is my church home, that this is the place where I belong, this is the place where God has placed me, and it's not by mistake, and it's not because it's convenient, it's because this is where God has placed me. And so if he's placed me here, God does nothing by accident. He's done so with a purpose. God's got a purpose for me being here in this time, in this place. And so God, I want to belong so that I can help others belong. And maybe that belonging for you has to do with actually just making a decision. Hey, maybe you've been coming along, but, but you've not felt like you actually belong. Maybe this is the point for you to be able to make a decision and say, do you know what? We've been couch surfing, but we need to make a decision about our home. Maybe for others, it's because you, in your own heart of hearts, you've said, do you know what? My previous pastor hurt me. And so I'm not sure if I'm willing. I'm not sure if I'm willing to let my guard down and be planted in a place again. So I'm going to keep every relationship here just at arm's length, just in case that happens again. And here's the truth. At some point, at some point, you, you probably are going to get hurt. I would love to believe that this is a great church and that nothing will ever offend you or hurt you or Nothing will ever be said. And if Elise was, it'd probably be a little more perfect. But the truth is, at some point you are. And that's how you can tell if this is really your home or not, right? Because if it's not, then the minute something like that happens, you're like, that's it. I'm transferring rooms. I want an upgrade. I'm complaining to the manager. But if it's a family, that God has knitted you into. 
then you realise, that's just Uncle Graham. Just sometimes he says stuff. It's dangerous. I shouldn't point anybody out in this, should I? I take that back. It's impossible to help anyone else feel like they belong until you've actually made the decision. This is where I belong. And I honestly believe that God wants to share his burden, right, for this church in this place with you and I. Because I think it's bigger than just a few of us. And you understand, right, that it's God's burden, it's not ours, right? That God, since he laid the foundations of the earth, since he's the beginning and the end, that God always had a burden for this church in this place. It just so happens that over 30 years ago, he happened to share it with a couple called Doug and Marty. He let them in on a burden he always had for this place. You know, this land that we're actually on, which is kind of funny, is, is on a, built on a natural spring. That for centuries, before there was anybody around here, that there would have been animals and people coming to thought was the water mains and they shut down um, construction because water, as they were digging the foundations, came out under such pressure, they thought it was the mains. Then they realized it wasn't the mains. It's actually a natural spring. It's like a little river that runs underneath this building. They had to try and redirect it around the building, right? That, that before the foundations of the earth, God already had in mind this church in this neighborhood, in this time to be a place of refreshing. He put a spring under it just in case we'd miss its purpose and point, right? I believe God wants to share his burden with you and I. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes as we pray this morning? Lord, I thank you this morning for every single person who's in this room. Lord, I pray that you would do the work that only you can do. That God, you would take even what I've shared this morning and God, you'd begin to attach your supernatural power to it. That God, you begin to cause it to, to go deep into our own hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd bring healing and wholeness. God, I pray that over these coming weeks that God, you begin to share your burden. Lord, for people. God, for this church in this neighborhood at this time. God, you'd help us to be a part of the answer. God, that you'd cause us, Lord, to have that deep sense that we've come home, that we belong. In Jesus' name. Thank you once again for joining us. Feel free to contact us on our Facebook, our website, and jump on our Instagram at mcc.church. Also, make sure to rate and review as well as share. Finally, from all the team at MCC, have a blessed day. And until next time, bless you.